presenting something that you just come up with on your own is one thing, but really seeking to understand the feedback of, cool, I did this thing or I had this thing. Now you tell me, is this useful? And if yes, awesome, how do we make it better? If no, is there a way to make it useful? In FPNA, you got to be careful not to become an invisible FPNA worker. What I mean by that is it's very easy to hide behind spreadsheets and numbers in your laptop. If you don't get beyond that and talk to people, whether it be within your FPNA team or your accounting team or your other teams that are non-finance related, like sales, marketing, product, they're not going to know you exist. And that's a problem for your long-term career prospects. It's okay to spend time in spreadsheets, but Keep in mind that the more people see you, the more they know, one, you exist, and two, they know the good work that you're doing. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So all the Excel junkies out there, no offense, but we're going to be anti-Excel today, and we're going to talk about going beyond the spreadsheet. So Yardi, you're pretty good at going beyond the spreadsheet, even though, again, you're probably the fastest person alive in Excel, at least I'll tell you that. How do you go beyond the spreadsheet and make yourself known to people and get your reputation built up? Yeah, I, I love this topic. And Drew, you and I have had countless coffee and beer sessions of talking about this. And, you know, truth be told, I'm naturally an introvert, actually, funny enough. And I talk about that specifically because I know a lot of our listeners, you know, there's probably a good portion of you guys that are probably introverts. But also keep in mind that, you know, Excel and all this good stuff, while it's fun, what makes it fun being an FPNA is understanding what drives that business, right? Like, and not everyone's the same. Like there's like people in marketing, operations, engineering teams, like some of the coolest people I've met have been in these departments and they're very similar to probably you actually. Let's say you're, I don't know, throwing it out there. You like throwing boomerangs. You'd be surprised. You might meet that marketing business partner. like, hey, John or Drew, I love throwing boomerangs too. Now you have this natural connection and now you're like, well, hey, I saw that marketing PO spend in my Excel spreadsheet. Can you help me understand that? Well, guess what you just did? You built a relationship. You built a connection. They're going to talk about that with you a lot more. And down the line, one month, two months, three months, six months, one year, guess what? You've built this awesome, amazing relationship with this person who's going to now give you all those insights going forward. Now you're never wondering, hey, what does my spreadsheet number really say? You know, you know the answer. So I always say, try to find an opportunity a, to get out of your comfort zone and B, find something that just is interesting. You know, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific person, but like going around being like, hey, because people love when you are invested in them. So when you go talk to a marketing, they're like, hey, John from marketing, like I saw we did a campaign on Netflix. Like that is really cool. Like, hey, how did you get involved with that? How about you, Drew? How have you kind of seen it in your career and how have you kind of gotten yourself out of those spreadsheets and getting into uh, talking to people? The, uh, I love that you mentioned, um, breaking down the barriers and, and warming up relationships. So what people in FPNA need to realize is a lot of people hate numbers. Like they don't like them. That's why they're not in FPNA. That's, why not in FPNA. <laughs> That's right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. What I found was, yeah, that relationship, how you warm it up. I play vintage baseball, which a lot of people have no idea what that is. And it's, it's basically old school baseball, 1860s rules. Um, we could have an entire podcast episode. Maybe we should put that on our next season podcast list. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would bring that up and talk about that with some people that are, I know are interested in sports. First thing that happens, that wall comes down. Like they totally relate to me as far as like, I'm not just the numbers person that's going to get upset at them with, Hey, here's a number. The number you spent is higher. 
no, no, no. I'll be back next month to tell you the same thing. That's why that's how those relationships don't go well, right? So you want to avoid that. That's step one. And then step two is then connecting numbers to their business. So being interested in their business, like you said, right? So an example for that I had in the past was white space, specifically with sales. Our company was struggling to upsell and looking for ways in which to upsell our products in a very laser focused way. What I had at my disposal was data by tens of thousands of customers how many products each one bought. And what I did was built up that relationship with our head of sales in different regions through either sports or whatever. So I'm not a numbers person, get buy-in and warm that relationship up and then connect with them and say, tell me about your business. Tell me about what you're trying to do. Sale, they want to sell because they want to make commission, right? They are like everybody else, sales, finance, FP&A, we're all selfish and want to want to want to contribute for something that's what we're trying to do, right? We all want to make money, get our bonus, get our commission. Sales is no different, right? Once I realized that, cool, sales, you want to make more sales so you can generate more commission. What if I gave you a list of customers that you could laser focus your efforts on and sell this one product to with a high batting average, so to speak? Does that sound good? It did because they said, yes, give me that list. And that was a monthly thing we did going forward. And we increased our upsell revenue, our product counts, and the rest is history. Like the revenue grew from our base and everybody was happy. Sales commissions were paid, company targets were met, bonuses were paid. That's when you have a lot of fun, right? Not just when the results are going good, but when you have these relationships where you can actually see tangibly what you provide from your spreadsheet and getting beyond the spreadsheet, you know, standing up, talking to people, and then showing them the numbers you have. Yeah, that's one example. We have we have lots of them, but that framework, the process of warm the relationship learn what they want to do and learn what their selfish intentions are. And I mean that in a good way. And then figure out how can your expertise numbers fit into that to help them do their jobs better. Because yeah, FP&A, we're not the necessarily the driver of the car, but we are the co-pilot and we are the co-pilot of a lot of cars. And that's how I kind of think about all the business relationships that, and business partnering that we do. That's awesome, Drew. And you brought up a really good point. It's you can do all these analyses and all that good stuff in Excel or Power BI or Tableau. But the reality is, is unless you have a recipient of those things, I mean, it's just kind of empty analysis and it's fun to learn, but someone's got to look at that and vouch for you. And similar to you, Drew, you know, I drove our market segmentation project where it involves sales, operations, marketing. And for those who aren't aware, it's just an idea of being able to cohort and group your customers in a way where you can make better decisions, whether it's how do we target better leads? How do we target better prospects out there? How do we allocate the best resources to our customers? And marketing segmentation allows for you to understand that. But again, it's meaningless unless you have someone to share that with. And so when I was driving that project, made a very clear goal. Let's talk to our marketing VP, our operations VP, our sales VP, and let's get their honest feedback, how they're feeling about the market. Because it's, I think for a lot of us, we have so much knowledge that's easy for us to kind of push that agenda to people. But I'm the opposite. It's what, what are you feeling as your pain? Let me understand that and let me help you with that. And then maybe layer in or sprinkle in some different perspective on top of that. And that's when people really start to appreciate and go, Drew, Yardy, I didn't think of it that way. Well, you know your stuff. Like, okay, let's keep chatting now. And that's when you really the, the magic and the spark starts to happen. That's awesome. Market segmentation too is an interesting one because that's something you can do on your own. It, it's a lookup table, right? V lookup customer types and what industry they're in or how much they pay or where they come from, what region. So that's, I'll call that an easy one to present. But the trick is presenting something that you just come up with on your own is one thing, but really seeking to understand the feedback of, cool, I did this thing or I had this thing. Now you tell me, 
is this useful? And if yes, awesome, how do we make it better? If no, is there a way to make it useful? And that back and forth, I've seen so many times in our careers where, um, and I've been guilty of it too, you lead with something really cool and you're trying to go beyond the spreadsheet and you do this analysis, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I'm pretty smart. And you, and you present it to somebody and then it really doesn't connect to everyday operations. And two, they, it may not be in a structure that makes sense in how they operate. Right. So you got to really get that feedback of like, cool, I have something, work with me to make it even better so that it serves you and your team better. That's like true business partnering and operational finance, right? That is helping people do their jobs better, which the best FP&A professionals out there, throw Excel away, no offense, Yardi. How do you help people do their jobs better and connect that to the business results? Like that is that is it right there. If you can do that, man, you will have not only a successful career, but a fun one. At least in my opinion, when you learn things like that, I know I, I try to learn a lot about marketing and sales, but I know very little compared to people in those departments. But I love just learning just a little bit about that every day because I just feel more informed and all that learnings, regardless of your industry, you can apply that to future jobs and it just opens up your career prospects that much more. It's really cool when you can go beyond the spreadsheet and you know, not be that invisible spreadsheet worker, so to speak, in FPNA. Yeah, you uh, you said it perfectly, Drew. It, you know, when you're working with your business partners, I mean, obviously they're not going to expect your FPNA guy to know more than them, but they expect you to have a baseline understanding that when you're about to present something to your, let's say, marketing business partner, they're hoping that you have a baseline understanding of what is a marketing funnel, what is a lead, what is a marketing qualified lead. You know, it's you know, it's awesome, Drew. And this is really comes down to just like personal motivation. The reality is, is a lot, a lot of our business partners are very busy. You know, they're going to teach you what they can teach you. But at the same time, you do have to be proactive, right? Like marketing qualified lead. What the heck is a marketing qualified lead? We live in a wonderful world today where we have ChatGPT, we have Google, we have all these resources. And I always tell people, come in prepared. So when you go to your business partner, you go, hey, here's an analysis. I did market segmentation. I'm looking at our customers and I've seen the trend over the past two years. And I've noticed our marketing qualified leads are coming down. I'm noticing they're coming from this industry. Hey, whoever this person is, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Have we been targeting specific segments over time? And that question really just opens the door because now they can challenge that and go, yes or no. And if it's no, ooh, that's, that's gem because you're going to hear that and go, oh, great. So-and-so. How can I give you more of that now? And so a lot of times, you know, we get so fixated on one point in time. I'm guilty of that. I've done that way too many times in my career. But once you start to take that one number, open it up, communicate with your business partners and go, what are you really thinking here? And that's when the magic really starts to open up. And uh, you said it perfectly, Drew. It's being curious, being hungry, and just asking a lot of questions. You know, I always say finance somewhat has a pass when it comes to that stuff. But I always say, like, if you can do a little bit of homework on your own, we're not talking like, hey, open up a textbook, 500 pages, start learning marketing. Like, don't do that. Like, if you do, that's even better. But, you know, you don't need to do that. In a prior episode, we talked about the financial close. And in the close for most companies, especially if you're public, you're going to have marketing metrics. As an example, study every one of those metrics. There's probably like a good 10 metrics on there. Study every one of them. What does this actually mean? So when you understand that, you can now take that information, go to your business partner and go, hey, I've been looking at this thing and it sounds like something that could be useful for what you're doing. Can I understand what you need from me and how can I help you achieve your goals? And it becomes an incredibly powerful weapon once you have that to your disposal. So 
I love that you bring up the, the metrics and KPIs too. We have a resource on that, how to come up with KPIs and metrics to help your business grow. Yeah, at the end of the day, think about driving a car, what matters, fuel tank, check engine light. There's only a few things that could go off and there's so many things behind the scenes that drive it. And you could open up your owner's manual and try to understand all the thousands of things that could go wrong with your car or understand what a couple of different lights mean and then try to prevent that with you know filling up your gas tank filling your tires up in the winter when it gets really cold, like here in New England and my tire pressure was below 30. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to drive and record some podcasts today. So let's wrap up this episode. That was all good stuff. In short, being invisible in FP&A behind a spreadsheet can truly limit not just your career opportunities because it's okay to be in spreadsheets and like data, but if you really wanna unlock your FP&A potential, go beyond the spreadsheet. Talk to people in accounting, BI, data, and your non-finance business uh, business departments like sales and marketing and product. You're going to learn a ton and you'll find pretty quickly that people are going to be very warm and receptive to your help because they may not like numbers, but they like to perform and performance translates to numbers and you can help them connect the dots. Check out our show notes uh, where we reference 40 plus of our resources on FP&A best practices, including the KPI article we talked about. And Above all else, guys, remember, keep learning, keep having fun, and we'll see you at the next episode. Take care, everyone.